Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. What's happening, everybody? Uh, I am Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today. We're just going to do one show today because, well, frankly, um, my voice is not bouncing back the way that I was hoping it would. Um, Probably because I did two shows Monday and yesterday, and then uh, we took the kids trick-or-treating last night, and not that you guys care that much about this stuff, but I don't know if you guys knew this, there's a very large, like, blocked-off Halloween event in the middle of Santa Monica every year. We didn't know that that was there, but some friends of ours said, let's go do that, and we did, and it was a bit overwhelming. Uh, And also, when you go to those giant ones, the candy they give out is pretty whack because they got to have enough for like uh, thousands of people coming through. The key is you want to go to a place where everybody's really wealthy and like a couple hundred kids come through so they know they have to have candy, but they can get the good stuff, which from what my experience here in Southern California is the Pacific Palisades area because you got all the houses just lined up parallel streets. Everybody does it, man. My oldest came home with, like, I think multiple full-size candy bars from the time they they went trick-or-treating in the Palisades. Um, I posted a picture of our family all together on Twitter. I know that they say it's stupid to post photos of your your loved ones on social media. But you know what? I'm stupid. So there you go. Today we've got a short Tuesday to recap. Big Wednesday preview is probably the bigger part of this show at least in terms of uh you know things that could shake out tonight that we want to be ready and on top of but there were a couple of things that happened yesterday um quickly before we get started i hope you guys will find me over on social it's at dan bespris d-a-n-b-e-s-b-r-i-s obviously like the video if you're watching with us on youtube rate if you are listening on spotify itunes or some other uh, podcast feed and regardless of where you're finding this content, please hit that subscribe button. That's a really, really big deal. Every time somebody hits those, it pushes. I know with iTunes in particular, the subscribe button actually does a really big thing in terms of like moving a show up the board. Uh, With YouTube, I think just, you know, likes, general engagement, things like that is the key. And then the same story with Twitter, which we're all kind of figuring out on the fly. But certainly the more that you guys interact with me, the more that the show just sort of gets out there. So thank you for all of that in advance. What I'd like to do, like I've been doing here lately, is uh, get the the recap board up on the screen so everybody can kind of watch along with us here. Uh, Don't worry, everybody listening, I will be reading all of the names after the fact. What I haven't fully figured out as I continue to sort of piecemeal my way through uh, the YouTube side of things is if I stretch this thing to the whole screen and cover up some of it with my face is that better or worse than if I put myself off to the side and make the screen a little bit smaller I'm figuring out on the fly guys so bear with me here we'll we'll try the face to the side mode today I also hope that the more that we do this more of you do come and hang out with us live on YouTube because the chat room is open I'm going to try to get to questions at the end of the show again I'm going to try to go a little bit easier on my voice today I can feel uh, a little bit less strain um, 
and a lower impact day I know would be really helpful for me. So anyway, uh, Knicks beat the Cavs 109-91. Cavs did have Donovan Mitchell back, but let's start on the New York side of this ball game. You had a, a minute split at a number of spots, largely because of the blowout, so I wouldn't read too much into the extra Isaiah Hartenstein minutes. Mitchell Robinson has had a pretty good lock on that center spot after kind of a quiet first game of the year, basically. The things that I do want to look at in this one, uh, thing number one, Emmanuel quickly, 18 points and 24 bench minutes. He's an interesting case study because right now I, I, I do feel like he's someone that you probably should be rostering on the head-to-head side. He's number 132, but he's doing it with positives and points, threes, and free throw percent. And so you do get some some gainers out of him, even if the other stats aren't really good enough to sort of counterweight that in the traditional Roto style. Roto, I don't think Emmanuel quickly belongs in starting lineups. Also of note in this ballgame, Josh Hart, 28 minutes. His line was not particularly impressive. Uh, excuse me while I sometimes mute the microphone to cough here. Still getting through this tough week. You guys know I love Josh Hart. Um, you know I love getting out of position stats. He's not even remotely close to playable right now. He's outside the top 220 in all formats. But if the minutes trend up towards 28 to 30, that's how he becomes a fantasy ad. So he's a guy, and the Knicks play again tonight. It's actually the same two teams in a ba- in a, a, a back-to-back rematch situation. I think they're actually still in Cleveland tonight. I might be getting that wrong. So this is one of those ones where, like, if we see Josh Hart play 14 or 15 first-half minutes, I might give the green light on an ad in that moment. Because I'm not really worried about what he's doing with the minutes. We know that if Josh Hart is out there, he's going to get rebounds, he's going to get threes, he's going to get steals. He's going to typically do it on relatively decent percentages. He's a glue guy, he's a ball mover, all that good stuff. We need the minutes. When he was playing 22, first you know, three games of the year for the Knicks, that wasn't going to be enough. 28 probably is. But, again, R.J. Barrett only 25, Quentin Grimes 22, Randall 31. Uh, Jalen Brunson, 34, he saw the bigger chunk. And so, yes, these bench guys did see a little bit of extra time. The question we then have to ask is, is it exclusively because of the blowout, or is it a situation where they want to try to spoon-feed Josh Hart a few extra minutes? We'll find out more tonight. Cavaliers. Donovan Mitchell was back, but he wasn't enough to do it by himself. He needed some help, and he really didn't get any yesterday because Evan Mobley didn't shoot the ball well. He had some rebounds, assists, and blocks, so he sort of floated a bad... What could have been a much worse line. Max Strews shot the ball poorly also, 2-for-9 from the field, but did play a team-high 33 minutes. That's all you need to see, folks. So look, like Max Strews, he was a top-20 guy before yesterday's clunker. He's still inside the top-50 so far this year on 35% shooting from the field. And I know what you're going to say, Danny's not going to get 15 shots a night. You're absolutely right. But he's also not going to shoot 35%. So if you're worried about one, you should also be relieved with the other. I believe strongly that Max Struess is a full season value, unless they change something considerably here. But I don't think that the Cavaliers like the backup situation. And I don't think that they're going to blow up the starting lineup here until they actually get their starters back. Because they haven't had Jared Allen for a single damn day this season. Darius Garland they only had for one game. Donovan Mitchell, I think that was only his second game of the year. Donovan, by the way, uh, sorry, this is his third game. 
I should say, third game for Donovan Mitchell. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I mean, the, the voice thing here is really is chewing me up. I'm really hoping that it's better by tomorrow or Friday. And I'm sorry for grinding this voice into your ears this week, but I got to get the show out. And no, I'm not that worried about these guys coming back, taking all the stuff away from Struess. Oh, by the way, Karis LeVert wasn't in for this game either. So they're down a lot of bodies already. Spurs beat the Suns 115-114, and saying Spurs beat the Suns is burying the lead in the most substantial way I ever could. The Suns led this game for 46 and a half minutes, basically start to almost finish, uh, and then the, I guess it's like 47 and a half minutes, and then the Spurs took the lead with two seconds left. Two seconds left. Suns had a, had a uh, three-point lead. Spurs got a layup, stole the inbound pass from Kevin Durant, basically, Laid it in for a one-point lead, and then the Suns didn't were unable to make their last-second try. It was an absolutely obscene ending. Suns are the walking wounded right now, and the one that everybody said don't draft because he was the injured one, that star is the only one that's upright. Suns are lucky, I think, to be 2-2 two and two to this point. Uh, Devin Booker playing in the first game with Kevin Durant was a nice reason why they were able to get one of them. But let's start on the Spurs side before we get over to the Zombie Suns. Spurs did finally have a good ball game, and we got some efficiency out of some of these guys at least. Keldon Johnson shot the ball well. When he shoots the ball well, he's playable. The problem is that we saw it last year. It doesn't happen enough for it to be a long-term thing. And so far, he's just inside the top 100. Bad free throw percent serviceable field goal percent uh 17 points five boards four assists i i don't think we see i don't think we see a lot of this stuff hold all season long based on what we saw out of kelton last year but maybe he does have a better shooting season and i think that's what you're kind of praying for devin vassell his teammate also had a uh half decent ball game the steals were kind of the big thing for Vassell. He's also sitting in that 90 range. Uh, Victor Wembanyama, 18-8 and four blocks. He's still kind of figuring things out. He's number 124, largely because of turnovers and percentages. If those start to come around, you'll see the, the craziness of the stat set kick in. And then Jeremy Sohan, who I've said repeatedly I'm just not a buyer on, especially not as the full-time point guard. Yes, he had five assists. Yes, he had seven rebounds, but only eight points, no threes, no steals, no blocks, bad percentages, and five fouls in 30 minutes. He's just, I mean, I, I again, I tried to warn everybody on this one. He's number 198. Spurs need to be playing Trey Jones at the point guard spot. He was a plus 13 in this game. Sohan was a minus seven. And again, it's not a coincidence Trey just runs the team better. Until he gets the extra minutes, Trey Jones is not the easiest player to roster. He's been able to float his value with good percentages and 1.3 steals so far, but you're going to need more long-term because at some point, the 52% and 100% splits are not going to be those. Maybe the 50% doesn't come down that much because he doesn't really shoot the three ball but he ain't shooting 100% at the free throw line this year, so that's something you can bank on. And I know that I, I tend to be a little bit negative about the Spurs. I just I have trouble seeing past the efficiency stuff. 
Now, obviously, with Wembenyama, you can look past it because at some point this year, it, you know, he'll have these games like yesterday where the efficiency is a little bit better, even if the turnovers are still a mess. But the blocks are going to be crazy, and he's just going to do all sorts of things. And he's going to put up a fantasy line that's going to make you fall out of your office chair. But then, like with Keldon Johnson, you know the other shoe's going to drop. And with Vassell, it's not that I think he's going to be bad. I just think he got drafted in the 60s, and I don't know that he gets to that point. Trey Jones is a guy that has a little bit of upside if the minutes come around. Zach Collins is one that has some upside if the turnovers stay lower, which they were yesterday. He only had two instead of so far this year. He'd been averaging, I think, like four turnovers a game. Yesterday's ballgame brought his season turnover mark down to three and a half. And right now, that's sort of artificially deflating his value. He's number 123 in 9-cat. But he's substantially better than that in 8-cat, which is not exactly what you thought you were getting when you drafted Zach Collins, who's, you know, top 70 in 8-cat formats right now. And if the turnovers ever do level off to a more reasonable number, he could get to that mark in 9-cat. So Collins I like with upside. Obviously, Wambanyama has the big upside, but he got drafted really early, so nobody's doing anything with that. You're not going to be buying low on Wambanyama. Nobody's going to be selling him that drafted him right now. Trey Jones might be the guy that you think about trying to get in on if you think the minutes are going to trend up for him, and, and the indicators are that they probably should. But it also seems a little bit like the Spurs are covert tanking by playing Sohan at point guard instead of Trey Jones. I'm not saying, I'm just sort of saying, like, we know they're a better team with Jones as the point guard. On the Sun side, Grayson Allen has had a couple better ball games here. I just uh, I have trouble getting the full buy-in on Grayson Allen because he can disappear just as fast as he appears. He doesn't typically get many defensive stats, which would be a way for him to float his value on nights when he's not knocking down a bunch of three-pointers, so I'm probably leaving that alone. Eric Gordon is and I hate to say this out loud because now there's record of it, a slightly safer streamer on this club because at least you know when Beal and Booker are both out, he's going to take a whole bunch of shots. And then you just sort of pray that some of them go in. And then Nurkic is obviously a start. Kevin Durant is a start. Well, we kind of figure out what Nurk is going to be the rest of the year. Let's keep going. Magic on the back-to-back in Los Angeles. They didn't have much in their legs for this one. Clippers beat them 118-102. Clippers without all of their power forwards. And uh, people on Twitter were asking me if I thought Kobe Brown was going to see a bunch of playing time. And I said, I don't know. Then I thought about it a while and I said, honestly, they'll probably go small. They'll play Kawhi Leonard more at power forward. And that's ended ended up what they did. Uh, They went with the backcourt of Bones and Russ. So Bones sort of more of a shooting guard type. Uh, Even if Russ is slightly larger as a human being, you guys get the idea. Um... Paul George is off to a hell of a start so far this year. He and Kawhi are both questionable for their back-to-back today. We'll see if they play. I think that's against the Lakers. Clippers off to a good enough start where they could potentially sit some guys down and not really worry about it. They're 3-1 and to start the year. I think their record is going to indicate whether or not they push their main starters. But this game also was over sort of early. You know, PG, Kawhi, they each played 32-33 minutes, so not an overwhelmingly large workload. But if they do keep those guys on the bench, you're going to get uh, vintage, for better or worse, Russ. I don't know if that's... That could be messy. You probably do it and hope that it works. 
Uh, and then Bones will be a very easy call on stream today if both of the superstars sit. I think Norman Powell would also make his way into that mix. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. I don't know why I jumped over the Magic, the road team in this game, but I just felt like we should get to the Clippers because they might have some stream opportunities, some stream opportunities, depending on who sits out for them later on tonight. On the Magic side, uh, just kind of a generally ugly performance. Fultz was fine. Uh, didn't get the assists you wanted, but at least was able to sort of float his stuff with a decent field goal percent. Franz was okay. Jalen Suggs is the guy that I want to highlight, and I highlighted him on yesterday's show also. Don't worry, we'll talk about Wendell Carter Jr. again, although my thoughts on him really aren't changing very much. Suggs, I think, is an ad. I picked him up in a couple of spots. He looks solid this year. The minutes have been there so far this season. The steals and blocks are nice. Uh, he's rebounded a little bit. I'd like to see some more passing out of him. The field goal percent I don't think is going to be a mess because he doesn't shoot the outside one all that often. So I'm willing to give it a shot is what I'm saying. And right now there are a bunch of guys that have popped up as drops over the last two to three ball games. And so I figure there's really no harm in replacing a zero upside guy with someone like Suggs, where if, if things land, like if they trade Cole Anthony or something like that, then Jalen could move into a much safer role and one that I think we'd want to be a part of. Meanwhile, on the Cole Anthony front, he's at number 173 in 9-cat right now because, sadly, his game just doesn't translate to 9-cat all that well. You need him to get rebounds and assists, and he's sort of like a supercharged version of Kobe White on a game-to-game -game basis, where he makes much more sense as a schedule streamer in head-to-head, -head. and then Roto Games Cap, there's not enough there to play him on almost any evening, unless you've got some guys hurt. And then Wendell Carter Jr., everybody keeps asking me about him, and I'm going to give the same explanation every day until it lands, which is he's not a guy I targeted in drafts at all because he's a center that doesn't get defensive stats. He's a points, rebounds, only big man, who right now isn't even really getting you the points and the rebounds. So what's the valuation there? He's a buy low, but he's not even really a buy low that I'm concerned with. So if you want a low upside center, that's probably going to finish somewhere between 100 and 125. You could probably get him for the tail end of that range, but I don't know that it's going to do you any good other than if you wanted to buy low on Wendell Carter Jr., 
and then wait till he gets super hot for two weeks and then try to flip him for another big man who's maybe more a 75-80 range dude. Perhaps you think of it as like a two-step process here, but I don't even know what players you could toss out to get him at this point. Maybe we'll do a little bit of work on that uh, on social media to, to sort of figure out what people really feel about old WCJ. Before we get to the big Wednesday look ahead, I want to take just a second here to remind everybody that you can find me on Twitter at Dan Bespris and to please take a second mid pod, even if you got to pause this thing to hit the like button, subscribe either on YouTube or on traditional podcast channels. That's actually a really big deal. And then if you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, stuff like that, please do uh, drop a five-star review. Also, go check out the Sports Ethos in-season fantasy pass right now. It's pretty amazing this year. We've added five brand new tools to the existing fantasy pass, which is already really nice. You get access to the analysts via the premium Discord. And uh, that reminds me, I should probably throw the Discord link into the live YouTube chat so folks that are hanging around uh, either now or even after the fact. So I usually leave the, leave the chat room on. You guys can just punch that link in and you can join our free side of the Discord. If you have uh, any questions about how the premium stuff works, you can hit up myself in the free Discord. You can hit up uh, Keith Cork in the free Discord and we'll get you sorted out over there. Um, that again is the fantasy pass starts at just six bucks and it has this really awesome new head to head matchup tool that I would strongly suggest you guys check out. And if you have premium already, there's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't be using these tools that are already at your fingertips. Let's look at tonight. Big Wednesday card coming up. A lot of things to uh, pour through here. And I'll try to do this at somewhat of a decent speed, mostly because I want to do a few questions before I rest my voice. All right, here we go. Milwaukee. Uh, I guess you can... So this one's... I said I was going to do it quickly, and then I immediately went into a hemming and hawing mode here. I don't want Chris Middleton on my fantasy teams, but we should probably be tracking his minutes cap because if you if somebody gets really annoyed with him to like to the point where they want to drop him for almost nothing, then you could make that reach out, extend the olive branch, see if you can go get him for pennies. But I don't really want him for anything more. I wouldn't even pay a nickel for him, but if I can get him for a couple of pennies, I would probably do it. For the Raptors, is Dennis Schroeder really this good? He's looked great so far. Jakob Pertl's minutes, are they on the rise, or was the last ball game more of a one-off? Uh, and Gary Trent, who I admit I am not at all sold on. Uh, I've, I've been told that I am wrong on that one. I don't think I am. I think he's going to have a bad season. We know they're not really all that enamored with him long-term, and so much like kind of the Buddy Heald situation in Indiana, what's the impetus to play him a bunch if he's not part of their plans? Took too long to get through the Raptors. Blazers, nothing really. You know, it's the same stuff. So, um, you know, if you're interested in my thoughts on these teams where I say nothing, you can just sort of go back to one of my previous shows or tweet storms and see. So, like, for instance, the Blazers, we know Malcolm Brogdon's a play. We know Shaden Sharp's a play. We know DeAndre Ayton's a play. We know Jeremy Grant is a play. And we know that everything else is a little bit up in the air. I don't need to repeat it every ballgame. For the Pistons, Jalen Duran is questionable, so we'll keep an eye on that. If he's out, Marvin Bagley would be a one-night stand, fantasy one-night stand. 
And uh, is Alec Burks a thing? Did not expect to see him seeing this chunk of minutes. It probably has something to do with Boyan Bogdanovich being out because he was going to be the scoring type, and they just need someone else that can put the damn ball in the bucket besides Cade Cunningham. So maybe we're looking at, you know, two and a half more weeks of Alec Burks being a value, but two and a half weeks ain't nothing, and that could potentially help you in almost any format. Pelicans, I'd like to see some consistency out of Herb Jones. He does belong, I believe, on rosters right now, but if we don't get consistent play out of Herb, then that would be a reason for concern. For the Thunder, nothing. We know exactly what we're getting out of there. For the Pacers, uh, I'd love to see somebody not named... Tyrese Halliburton, Miles Turner, or Bruce Brown become safe, but they're not. Buddy Heald is probably the guy you're holding out of all of those other dudes because if he gets moved, his value likely goes up. Benedict Matherin would be the next one on my list of guys you're squatting on because if someone gets out of his way, then maybe you see him take a little bit of a value boost. Celtics, nothing. Cavaliers just sort of need to know who's playing. Is Karis LeVert going to play? Do we have any shot of a Darius Garland? I don't believe so. I think the latest is either doubtful or out, but we can dream. Uh, and then, you know, you take everything else from there. Knicks, Josh Hart. We just talked about him earlier on. This is one that I'm monitoring very closely. Josh Hart is sort of like one of the key watch guys for tonight because if he gets good minutes, I'm adding him, even if the stats aren't there. The minutes is what I want to see. For Brooklyn, Dorian Finney-Smith, nice little burger border right now. And, uh, oh, we just got news mid-show that Spencer Dinwiddie is out. So uh, Lonnie Walker is your sort of long shot stream. He played well when Dinwiddie went down in their last ball game. I don't know that I would trust him to do it again. But with Cam Johnson still out, we know Cam Thomas is going to be cooking. And I'm going to take it from there. Wizards. We really haven't seen a Wizards game that wasn't bordering on blowout. I'd like to. Latest on Daniel Gafford is that he's likely to be a game-time decision for tonight. Hopefully he's in there. When he wasn't, they went small, and it was terrible. Uh, but it did help Bilal get into the starting lineup, and so I guess if that happens again, you could maybe take a, a burger board flyer on him. I'd rather see Gafford in there. I want to see the starters play a competitive game, get their 30-some-odd minutes. And then Jordan Poole, we talked about on yesterday's show, is possibly a buy low already. But again, he was a guy that I suggested maybe avoiding on draft days because I know the upside was there, but the floor, uh, I just I didn't want to spend a fourth-round pick on somebody with that low of a floor. I think you have to be a little bit more cautious there. But he will come around. He's both a buy low and a maybe he doesn't get to where he was drafted kind of guy. For the Hawks, I think it's just fun to watch Jalen Johnson right now. But in terms of fantasy stuff, we're watching to see if Sadiq Bey can continue to be fantasy relevant off the bench. Uh, and then, you know, my daily reminder to be patient with Onyeko Okongwu. Nuggets, nothing. Wolves, nothing really. You can keep some tabs on slow-mo. Kyle Anderson... Uh, and, and Mike Conley, but I think they're generally going to be what we expected them to be. For the Hornets, LaMelo Ball is off to an absolutely horrible start so far this year. I don't know that you can get him on a buy low because someone probably drafted him in the first round, and I doubt they're willing to part with their first round pick for anything 
better than a sec or anything worse than a second rounder. And in my mind, LaMelo was going to be a second rounder anyway, but he was a first rounder if you're punting field goal. So if he would be a perfect fit for your team, maybe you go try to get him for someone that's overperforming that maybe isn't the right fit, but he hasn't been struggling long enough for someone to be willing to part with LaMelo for less than something that, frankly, right now is too much, if that makes any sense. And also Brandon Miller. He's been really good so far. Belongs on rosters, and frankly, you could probably start him. For the Rockets, we're still just kind of tracking team chemistry. I don't think that we've seen them gel yet. We've seen them run offense through Shengun. We've seen them run offense through Freddie Van Vliet. We've seen them let guys do a little bit of chucking on the sides. I don't really know what the Rockets are yet. We're going to figure it out. They were a team that I said back in July when season win totals came out. I did a show and I was like, look, everybody's telling me the Rockets are going to be really good this year. My take in July was they're going to be trying to be better, but I wasn't sure that they were actually going to be all the way better yet. I think that they're going to get better as the season goes. The question is, are they going to get better fast enough? So the Rockets, and I don't like Jalen Green, so let's put that out there. He's a guy that I'm not trading for in almost any circumstance. Outside of points leagues, you can do the Jalen Green thing. But if people get impatient with Freddie Van Fleet, people get impatient with Jabari Smith Jr. In particular, Shengun's off to a, a perfectly fine start. He's, I think, pretty much what people wanted, which was big popcorn stats and then kind of lacking in some of the other stuff. He's number 89 in nine category leagues right now, largely because his free throws have been quite bad to this point, 57%. That's a number that's going to come up, so you can bank on him moving a little bit forward. But I also don't think he's going to average 20 points a game, so there will be a leveling with Shangun. He probably ends up pretty close to where he was drafted, which was uh, between 50 and 60. So you're not going to be able to get him on a buy low. But you can get almost anybody else on that team on a buy low if you want it. The question is, do we want it? And I think the answer for Van Vliet is probably yes. For Jabari Smith Jr. is probably yes, although that one's going to be a little bit more of a headache day-to-day and move from there. For the Bulls, is Kobe White a drop? In nine-cat leagues, I believe the answer is yes. I just don't think he does enough in non-scoring and assisting categories to warrant a roster spot. You guys can feel free to tell me I'm wrong. I don't think I am. So there. And then Alex Caruso is sort of the other half of that equation. If Kobe White doesn't belong on teams, does Caruso then belong on teams? And I think the answer might end up being yeah. They're just better when he's on the floor. Problem, of course, is you can only have so many guys on your team that are punt points dudes unless you're actually punting points. And Caruso is basically a punt points guy because he's going to average seven points a game in a good world. But he's rebounding, he's assisting, he's stealing, he's blocking. And that's a pretty cool combination to get out of a guard. So Caruso is probably a rosterable guy. He's going to be on wires in a lot of leagues because he doesn't score at all, which means you have time to kind of mull that one over if you want. Uh, And I'm hoping it ends up being a firm yes. Right now it's kind of like a a floppy yes. For the Mavericks, we're waiting on Kyrie's status. But then there's all sorts of other stuff going on with Dallas. Tim Hardaway Jr. is on one of his patented heaters. When he's on those, you stream him. When he's not, get the hell out as fast as you can. Grant Williams, I'm referring to him. I refer to him on Twitter as a roto tease, which is basically what he's been so far, in that he's knocking down three pointers at an efficient clip and he's rebounding, but he hasn't done anything else and it hasn't been super consistent. So he's number 165 in nine cat. 
if he could get a steal or a block, he'd move inside the top 100. That's really all it would take with the rest of his fantasy numbers, but so far he hasn't done that. And until he does, I'm on the outside looking in with him. Same story for all of the Mavericks centers. I simply can't buy the idea that a three-pronged center attack is going to leave fantasy information or fantasy value for anybody. So, Lively, you can probably move on from, not that anybody had rostered Dwight Powell or Maxi Kleba, but all three of those guys are chewing out of the same bucket, and that's bad for everyone. For the Grizzlies, we're just keeping in tabs on Xavier Tillman. Uh, he tends to play big minutes against big front courts, as we've known. Utah's front court is a question mark. Is it going to be Walker Kessler? Because if so, then you might see a lot of Tillman. Is it going to be John Collins and Kelly Olynyk at the five? Then you might see a whole lot less. So it's a little bit of a coin flip on the Memphis side. For Utah, we just told you what we're watching for. Is Walker Kessler going to play big minutes again? He had a nice ball game in their last one. Can we get an encore? Who the hell is Taylor Norton Tucker this year? I, I'm inclined to just say leave it alone. I know he has a good ball game seemingly every other day, but that's not enough to sustain nine category value. Points leagues you hold, Horton Tucker. Category leagues I think you can move on. Basically the same story for Jordan Clarkson there as well. Points leagues you probably hang on. Category leagues I don't know that you actually need to. Zombie Clippers for one more day. We got report that uh, James Harden is in town, but unlikely to make his Clippers debut because he hasn't practiced with the team. And if he doesn't play in this one, the Clippers are off for like almost a week. So he'll have plenty of time to get acclimated. Same story for P.J. Tucker. Meaning, especially now with uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George questionable for tonight, we may get a Bones Highland Russell Westbrook mayhem game along with Norman Powell. Get ready to stream the crap out of those guys if we do get word that the stars are all out and uh, the new guys haven't yet arrived. Lakers, Christian Wood, very much a watch list guy. He and Anthony Davis looked awesome together in their last ball game. They played great. They're kind of figuring out how they can switch on things, uh, allowing one big man to still remain back towards the lane to contest shots. Obviously, teams are going to want to pull Anthony Davis out. But having Wood back there, who's not great defensively, but he's actually not terrible around the rim. Principles-wise is where Wood has always struggled, but if he's allowed to just sag back off of somebody who's not directly involved in the pick and roll, that's how he can be a really big boon and also collect those rebounds. Because when teams pull Anthony Davis away from the bucket, they know the Lakers have a rebounding issue. No one besides LeBron on the court these days has been able to grab one. Rui Hachimura's out. That means maybe more for Wood. By the way, it sounds like Gabe Vincent is also doubtful for the Lakers. Got that news in the middle of our podcast as well. It doesn't change much. He wasn't a guy you were playing, but they're going to need Austin Reeves to wake the hell up. Uh, D'Angelo Russell's been great anyway. I am curious to see if Wood can maintain mid-20s and minutes when Hachimura's around because it does feel like a little bit like those guys can be not interchangeable necessarily because Christian Wood is a bigger uh, better rim protector, but Rui is the better, I guess, foot mover. If you wanted to have somebody that could deal with the perimeter a little bit better, we'll see. Either way, the Wood AD unit looked very, very good. That's the note from the Lakers' last ball game, and as we look towards this one, that's the note for this one, which is we could see him play a bunch of minutes again. And if we do, maybe that's the way he ends up back on rosters after getting dropped because uh, he wasn't playing much the first, what, three games of the year for L.A. 
Kings are without De'Aaron Fox for, we think, a week. My guess is it'll be a little bit longer on that one. Um, Davion Mitchell is likely to get the start, but more than likely, it's guys like Malik Monk who see extra shots. You'll probably see Kevin Herter get a few extra shots. You'll see Keegan Murray get a few extra shots. They'll run uh, basically all of the offense through Demonis Sabonis, so expect him to see a little bump in assists. Um, but I'm not I'm not into the Davion Mitchell grab. That It didn't really work last year when Fox missed a few games either. And for the Warriors, I don't know that there's anything actionable today other than to say that Andrew Wiggins has been just the worst. He is, much like Wendell Carter Jr., a guy that is a buy low, but is also a player that I'm not all that interested in rostering. So if you're going to buy on Wiggins, you're doing it with the goal, in my eyes at least, of hoping he gets hot for a week or two at some point in the next month, and then you try to move him for somebody better. So it's that same thing, like a means to an end. You're not going to turn the Lava Hot waiver pickup into a top 60 guy in one trade. You're going to turn them into Wendell Carter Jr., who you're going to turn into Andrew Wiggins, who you're going to turn into somebody, who you're going to then finally turn into that top 60 guy. And you just all year, you want to be sort of slowly chunking away at value in trades you're making. Because unless you're in a noob league, you're not going to trade a hot pickup for a sixth rounder. Competitive leagues, the people just don't do that because they're not morons. I had somebody on Twitter, I, I put a note out at some point late last week, I think I said something like, hey, look, don't try to turn your your hot guy into a second rounder in one trade. And they said, that's terrible advice. If you can do it, you should do it. If you can do it, you're in a bad league. If there's money on it, I guess, okay, fine, you know, go pick everybody's pockets or whatever. But most of us, if you're in a cash league, the people in them have some idea what they're doing, and you're not going to be able to fleece them like that. So trade in chunks. Quanta, I believe, would be the physics terminology for it. But anyway, talking about the Warriors, we were talking, we were on Andrew Wiggins, but I want to move off of him because just talking about Wiggins frustrates me right now. Uh, Draymond Green, how do his minutes change for this ball game? I assume they're going to continue to slowly move their way upward. And then what does that mean for Chris Paul? That's the big storyline for me because we got to see a whole lot of Chris Paul orchestrating when Dre was out. Team looks really fluid with Draymond back, so I'm not worried yet. But does that mean that Paul's just going to be orchestrating less? Because if so, that would put a little bit of a dent into his value, and that's something we need to be aware of. Listen, guys, I'm nothing if not pragmatic on this show. I'd love to come out here and tell you that Chris Paul is just locked into 30 minutes and 8 assists a night, but he may not be. So that's, I think, the Wednesday look-ahead. Those are all the games, right? Yeah, the Warriors are the last one. It's a big card tonight, folks. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 13. Yeah, 13 gamer. Everybody's playing tonight, baby. Let's start pivoting over to the live chat. Hopefully, the more times that I look at the live chat, the more of you will realize this is a fun thing to come and do with us. Uh, my voice is starting to fatigue, as you guys can likely hear. I have not that much water left. So we'll go until I'm cooked. As a warning, we might not get to every question in the chat room, but I'm going to do my level best. And as a favor to me, as a favor to me, while I'm going through all of these delightful questions and, and completely obliterating my voice in the process, take a second. There's the Discord link. I threw it on the screen. If you're listening to the show, it's in the show description. Come hang out with us over in Discord. You're gonna, I promise you're going to have a good time. 
even on the free side, people are just chatting with each other, asking fantasy questions. It's just a tame place to hang out and talk fantasy sports. So that link is on your screen or it's in the show description, whatever's easier for you to click. Also, again, find me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. I do so much stuff over there. Anybody in the chat room that's, that follows me on social, you guys know, and you can attest to the fact that you basically need to be finding me over on social media. I do a lot of my work over there in between these episodes of the podcast. And so I do want to see you guys hang out with me on that side. And again, last time, rate, like, subscribe, and go check out our buddies over at manscaped.com. Ethos20 is the code there. Ethos20. I didn't get my lawnmower yet. I thought it was coming in the mail yesterday, but it was actually a box of hangers. And if you think I'm lying, I'm not. Because as you can see, I got this delightful box of plastic hangers. When I saw a package had arrived, I thought maybe it was my lawnmower, but it, it was hangers. What a letdown, man. Being an adult sucks. Anyway, go to manscaped.com, promo code ethos20, E-T-H-O-S-2-0, to get 20% off and free shipping on your order. You can get a handyman. This is an electric face razor. They've got the brand new lawnmower 5.0, which is basically straight out of the future. That's a sideburn trimmer. The one thing I always like to show, and they don't tell me to talk about the luxury nail clippers, but I love this dang thing, man. It travels well. The clippers are awesome. We use them on everybody in the house now. The kids, too. Maybe not the three-year-old. His nails are not quite big enough to get into this thing. But, like, we basically just stopped using all other nail stuff in favor of this Manscaped one. I've gotten way more than $16 worth of value out of that. And that's what you can get it for if you use our code over there, which, again, is ethos 20 and the website is manscaped.com. Okay, a deep breath. Let's see how many questions I can get through. I'm going to dial my uh, activity level down. And we're just going to talk our way through these questions as opposed to kind of broadcasting. You guys are, are accustomed to me broadcasting my voice. But we're just going to talk here. So Kyung says... Suggs or Cole Anthony or Lonnie Walker or Tim Hardaway? I like that we got a lot of oars into this question. Are they worth a pickup in a 12-team Roto League? Uh, Suggs, I think, is the one worth a try. He's the only one of those four guys that has any sort of rest-of-season upside potential. Tim Hardaway is your stream play while he's hot, but if you catch him on the day when he cools off, he ends up doing way more damage uh, than he's than he's worth. Dave Slick says, are your ads and drops more for daily or seasonal leagues? Uh, right now, I'm looking more at rest of season stuff, and I hope that I try to be clear when I talk about guys that I'm picking up as to why I'm doing it. Just make sure that you're sort of hanging in there. You hear the name, then stick with me to hear the reasons why. Polly says, Wemby is Harvey Dent. Yeah, first half, he's uh, Harvey Dent. Second or First half, he's Two-Face. Second half, he's Harvey Dent. Depends. Do you like the good guy or the bad guy? Delante says, I can't wait for Wemby to get a better feel for the game and be more consistent. Vassell and Keldon to come further into their roles and pop to figure out that Sohan point guard probably isn't the move versus Trey. You are right, Delante. I don't know that um, Keldon is going to do much more than he's doing right now. But that last point and the first one, because Wemby is going to slowly figure the game out. Uh, and the Sohan point guard thing is is absurd. Can I throw a compliment on the screen just to inflate my ego a little? Polly says, this is NBA Fantasy's best podcast across the industry, Dan. You're the best, my brother. Thank you, dude. I really appreciate that. Brown Boy Jr. says, what's Maxi's floor and ceiling? Tyrese Maxi's floor is top 50. There's almost no way he falls beyond that with Harden gone. 
and you're seeing the ceiling, which is the first round. I don't think that that's where he's going to stay, though. Yeah, there's a cough. Maxie's not going to average 30 points and five three-pointers a night. I think you're probably looking at a more reasonable ceiling of, like, 20 to 25 range. So uh, 20 to 50 is the range on Maxie. Delante says, your family costume was incredible. Thanks, dude. Uh, shout out to Amazon.com. Charlson says, hi, Dan. Can you please rank Sadiq Bey, Malik Beasley, Josh Richardson, and Duncan Robinson? Do they all project to be top 115? No. Bay is 115. I don't know that the other guys sniff it. Although with Richardson, I am interested to see what his role settles into in Miami. He has a chance to be the most valuable of these four guys. Um but we don't know how they're going to deploy him when he's healthy yet. Beasley and Robinson have almost no shot. Josh says, hey, Dan, is there a reason to grab or hold Bobby Portis this early in the season? Do you see any path to value for him outside of a Giannis injury? I do not. Can Gordon Hayward keep this up? Hard to say. Miles Bridges is the big question mark hanging over that one we're gonna roster Hayward at least until Bridges comes back and then you kind of see what happens from there if Zach Levine got traded to Philly how much would his fantasy production drop not much I think he'd get a little bit of a fresh start look um, but you're probably looking at top 60 instead of top 45 Vaughn says who's a better ad Keontae George or Trey Jones Trey Jones Minicral says, hi, Dan, someone dropped Middleton in my 12-team 10-category roto with offensive rebounds. How much would you bid on a 100-fab budget? Ah, crap, Middleton. Well, I, we, we talked about him earlier in the show as somebody that I don't really want to deal with the headache of, but if you can get him, as I said, for two pennies, I would do it. And this is basically a way to get him for two pennies because you don't even have to trade anybody away. Uh, I'd probably go 26 bucks on Middleton. It's a pretty big chunk, I know, but you're still left with 74 to use the rest of the year if this is a Yahoo public prize. Um, I think you got to get him, and it's roto, so it's easy to hit the games cap, typically. The hope, I think, for Middleton is that he's going at full tilt by Christmas, and if it's anything earlier than that, you call it a win. But if you're basically sitting on a luxury stash of a guy that could be a top 60 player... I think you got to drop a pretty good chunk on him. Who is a drop between Tillman, Mitch Robinson, or John Collins? It's probably Tillman. David's old man squad. David, I love that shout out to the old man squad. I just did a trade in Roto, Vooch and Ja for Kawhi Leonard. I didn't give up too much, right? Nope, I love it. Kawhi, even with Harden there, is going to be awesome. Vooch and Ja have no chance in Roto to get anywhere near what Kawhi can do. Kavon Looney or Xavier Tillman, rest of season? Uh... Tillman. Suggs or Scoot rest of season? Ooh. Well, Suggs is likely going to thump him here for the next month or two. Once Scoot starts to figure things out, that's when you probably end up wanting to pivot back his way. So I guess the question is, can your team survive with Scoot if it's head-to-head until he's a useful fantasy play? Because if so, you probably stick with Scoot. If not... It sucks. Asser or Keldon Johnson? That's Asser Thompson, and that's an easy one for me. Freaky, what do you think about Bruce Brown? Is he a 12-team rest-of-season guy? Yes, I believe so. 
Ryan, is Butler and Capella and Miles Bridges too much for Garland and DeJounte Murray or Jamal Murray? I'm not sure which Murray. Uh, in a points league. Yes, that is likely too much. I'm assuming that Butler is the best of the bunch, but I don't have the ESPN points numbers in front of me. Um, yeah, this is relatively fair, I guess. I don't hate it either way. I don't hate it either way. Go whatever side you like, bud. Boncaro or Jalen Johnson, points league. Points league, I'll go Boncaro. Category league, it's Johnson. JP, hi, Dan. Do I start Delon Wright, Keontae George, or Moses Moody tomorrow? Uh, Delon Wright, because Keontae might play eight minutes. Moody might not play at all if Thompson's Clay Thompson's back in there. So, uh, oh, I need steals, assists, threes, and boards. Well, Delon might get you three of those four things. They met today. Ian says... Nine cat, who wins the trade? Sohan, Keegan, and Wendell Carter Jr. for Claxton, Fultz, and Okongwu. It's the Claxton side. Because uh, Claxton's probably the best player in the deal. And then Okongwu and Fultz are likely both startable. I, I don't know that Sohan and Wendell Carter Jr. are even really 12 teamers. Jack says trading Durant, Jalen Duran and Clint Capella or Jalen Duran and Kyle Kuzma for Jimmy Butler. And Christian Wood, would you do it? Yes, I think that's basically in my mind. You're trading Duran for Butler, and that's a trade that I would definitely make. Um, hopefully, you can replace the Kuzma stuff. It's a ten-teamer, so you're basically just gunning for first and second round values. And I think Duran probably settles back towards top forty, top fifty, maybe later. And Butler's going to work his way up into the top fifteen, like always. Is Scoot a hold? Yeah, you have to. I mean, I told you guys not to draft him, but if you did anyway, now you got to hold him. Thoughts on Cade's turnovers per game? I think maybe you asked this question yesterday. They're going to be really, really high. Probably not five, which is where he's at right now, but four is very much in play. So get used to it, man. It's why I didn't draft him anywhere. That and field goal percent. Rock says, hey, Dan, would you trade away Reeves for Wiggins? Uh... No. Is it by low time for Franz Wagner? Uh, not really. He's been fine. He's number 65 in 9-cat. I think he probably, if anything, it's almost a sell. He's been the only guy on that team able to make a shot, and he's shooting 95% high-volume free throw. I think he probably settles back towards the 80 range. That was the last sip of water, so whenever I run out of gas here, that's the end of it. Hey, Dan, what are your thoughts on Onyeka Okongwu? He played 24 minutes last game to Capella's 23. Yeah, I mean, we've sort of been over this one. He's probably going to be around 22 minutes, 21, 22 minutes when Capella's healthy, and he's going to be a top 110, 115, 120 guy in those games. And then if Capella ever misses a game, which we know he will, Okongwu's a top 40 guy as a full-time starter. So you just, you're weighing it out. You're weighting it. You're balancing it. He's startable even in these Capella games, barely, but startable. And uh, then you'll mix in the big ones. Is Bruce Brown a close-your-eyes-play-every-day guy? Yeah, I'm fine with that. Would you sell high on Scotty Barnes? He's off to a really good start this year. He's top 20. Yes, three-and-a-half defensive stats is not sticking. Um, 
I'm not even sure the field goal percent sticks, but maybe it does. 21 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists. You're absolutely selling high. Uh, and you're gunning for someone in the top 35 to 40 range. Try to make that incremental improvement on your club. David says, with Simmons playing well, does it affect Claxton's minutes when he comes back? Also, like a sub to Dan, guys. Yeah, everybody sub to Dan, guys. Um, no, I think it'll impact Dorian Finney-Smith more than anything else. A different David says, was trying to think of trading up to a top 36 play. Oh, that's Scotty Barnes' question. Yes, I think that's a good idea. BS says, Hayward or Middleton? Uh, it's probably Middleton, but you're going to have to be waiting through some crap to get there. Nick says, I traded Jakob Pearl and Julius Randle for Jimmy Butler. Yay or nay? Yay! Very good trade. Oh, I made it to the end of the questions, I think. QSB says, what do you think of R.J. Barrett rest of season? Uh, category leagues, he's terrible. If you had to pick Dinwiddie or Barrett, Dinwiddie in category leagues. I might go Barrett in points leagues, but I don't play any points leagues. Trey Jones or Mike Conley for assists? Probably Trey Jones. Noah asks, is Buddy Heald droppable? Technically, yes, but you're probably better off just hanging on uh, to see if he gets moved. Because if you drop him and he gets moved, somebody's going to pick him up, and then we know Buddy Heald can, like last year, he was a top 50 play as a starter. If he goes to some team that badly needs a floor spacer and he gets starters minutes, you'll feel very silly. Problem is that in the meantime... It's uh, it's going to be real freaking rough. He's outside the top 120 right now. Hopefully he can just sort of hang on at like just playable enough, which is where he is right now, uh, that you can luxury stash him until he's somewhere better. Oh, I already got that question. It was reposted. Minicrawl says, I like tracking the old man squad. It feels good to have drafted value picks. Yeah, and you know, the other thing I'd throw out there is that the old man squad tends to be... Yeah, the last thing I was saying is that the old man squad, they do tend off to often get off to kind of slow starts because the old dudes are easing into the season. Um, so don't panic. There's a couple guys that are not uh, quite there yet. They'll be fine. Zubots or Looney? Uh, let's go Evitza on that one. I have Wemby, Chet, Scoot, and Okongwa. I know I went overboard and upside, but do I hold or try to make moves for more consistent floor guys right now? Well, Chet has been amazing, so I don't think you need to worry about anything there. Scoot's the one that's going to be trouble for a bit. Um, my vote is just hang on. Is Suggs a hold now or just a streamer? I say hold. KCP or Gordon Hayward, rest of season. I'm going to say KCP because I don't know what Miles Bridges is going to do to Hayward, and I may live to regret that call. So just with the caveat, KCP, we kind of know what he is, which is probably someone that's going to end up in that between 80 and 105 and there's a chance that Gordon Hayward could be above 80 but if Miles Bridges comes in and starts jacking those minutes then the whole thing comes apart uh let's see last question here for cup Jake someone dropped Jared Allen who do I drop to get him Mark Williams Asser Thompson or Jalen Johnson Jeez. well that's a tough one um because you got to drop somebody it's probably Jalen Johnson because even though he's playing better than Asser Thompson right now on a nine-cat side, it just feels like the ceiling for Asser is insane. So unfortunately, it's Jalen Johnson. Which, by the way, segues into this question. Jalen Johnson or Asser Thompson? I think I'm going to go Asser. And Nicholas says, would you use a number one waiver claim for Daniel Gafford? Yes, I think I would. 
And that's the end of it, guys. I'm very sorry. I can't do any more. I'm out of water and I'm out of voice. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I was going to try to do a buy low, sell high show later today, but that's just not going to happen in my current vocal situation. If I have some vocal strength, we'll do two shows tomorrow. Um, but I make no promises. Maybe it's something that I try to get going over the weekend or something like that. But uh, anyway, thank you all for listening. At Dan Vespers on Twitter, please hit the thumbs up on your way out. Please subscribe on your way out. Please rate the show if you're listening on Spotify or iTunes. And I'll see you guys over on social media. Later, dudes.